Hello, and welcome to the Millennial Economics Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping young people be successful with money. Join us as we discuss personal finance, financial literacy, investing, the psychology behind being financially fit, and much more. Here's your host, Jerry Dixon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Millennial Economics. Hope y'all are doing very well. Um, We're going to dive right in just to kind of go over some introductions, some housekeeping items. Uh, Wanted to kind of bounce some ideas off of you all. I am brainstorming what's next for Millennial Economics, what's next for the podcast, what topics to cover. Um, Traditionally, this has been a podcast where I kind of talk solo on a few points that I prepare wondering if I should have some guests, which adds some logistical necessities (laughs) to things, or if I should start going on other people's podcasts and and talking about, you know, uh, personal finance for for younger folks. Um, So I would love to hear from you all um, on what you think or what you would like, I guess I could say. Uh, You can email me at contactmillennialecon at gmail.com. You can shoot me a message on Instagram. You can shoot me a message on Facebook. I'm trying to think of other ways you can contact me. Yeah, that's about it. Um, would love just to hear what you all have to say. Um, I'm also going to test on putting a Q&A, kind of a poll on this podcast. My podcast platform where I publish things allows me to do a poll. And so I'll, I'll try to put out a question to see, you know, what what topics would you all like for me to cover? What things would you all like for me to talk about? Would you like to hear guests, uh, people that maybe have accomplished certain things regarding personal finance or business or career, and we could talk about tips for you all? Um, That's something that I'm kind of brainstorming. So let me know. Let me know what you all think. I'm kind of tying right into that, thinking about some future projects. So as you all know, I have a book that I'm, I'm in the process of getting all edited up. Um, and ready to to self-publish. And so that will be coming very soon. The manuscript is done um, in terms of the first and second go-through. And uh, um, again, working on the editing and getting that polished up to to be able to to publish. And so I'm really excited to talk to you all about that. That was a a project that took me several months to write and um, a little passion project of mine. Um, So that'll be coming out soon. I also wanted to announce that there is a new article on millennialecon.com about how to start and grow a career in sales. We're going to talk more about that later on in this episode, but I've been in sales for, man, 12, 13 years now in different capacities. And so, um, yeah, there's a lot of good applicable information for folks out there that are looking for uh, a career to start a career in sales or looking to make a transition, maybe that are looking to grow their career in sales. I have a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience there, and so that'll be some good information for you. And I'm trying to think what else. I think that's that's it. So let's go ahead and get into our first segment. This Week in Finance, where we cover the hottest stories in finance this week. Stay tuned for the goings-on of the communities and the economies. This Week in Finance. All right. So this week in finance, we are going to talk about inflation. Maybe it's a topic that uh, was more apt to talk about a year or so ago, but um, I just stumbled upon an article published by The Hill, and the title of it is Three in Five Americans Now Say Inflation is Causing Financial Hardship. 
And the beginning of the article reads, three in five Americans now say inflation is causing them financial hardship, an increase from the end of last year despite inflation falling in recent months, according to a new poll. And I just thought it was interesting. So if you all don't know, um, inflation rates have started to go down. I don't know the exact number that came out um, maybe a month or so ago, but I think it was in the 5% or something like that, maybe maybe a little bit higher. Uh, but inflation historically, or where the Federal Reserve kind of wants the inflation to be, is around 2%. We've seen inflation numbers post-COVID, kind of at the tail end of the COVID stuff that we were going through. Um, we've seen numbers as high, I think, as 9%. So what does that mean, right? Well, Basically, the consumer price index um, looks at several different things. I think it looks at food, it looks at um, housing, it looks at uh, gas, oil, and it kind of comes up with a number of how much more expensive these particular items were than the previous year, right? Um, and so when you're looking at inflation numbers of, of 5, 6, 7, 8, 9%, it means that things are costing almost 10% more than they did in previous years. Right? It costs about 10% more to fill up your tank. It costs way more than that for housing, especially. Right, It costs maybe 10% more um, to buy your groceries, maybe more. And so what I wanted to touch on is uh, what are you supposed to do? Right, Managing your finances, what are you supposed to do? So I'm just going to kind of go off the top of the head and talk about a few things here. So the number one thing that you should do, or the first thing, not in, in order of importance, is you want to make sure that you're increasing, you're, you're allocating those line items, you're increasing those line items on your budget, right? So if you, if you had $500 dedicated to your groceries, now maybe it creeps up to $600 or $550, right? If you had $100 a month for fuel for your car, maybe now it's $130, right? You need to go through these things and compensate for the increases that you're experiencing because if you're not maneuvering your budget for the times that you're in and for the costs um, that you're now having, you're going to find yourself messing up that budget every month, right? If you think that your total expenses are going to be $2,000 and you dedicate, you know, $2,000 to those expenses and then you're going to invest $500 with that monthly margin, well, all of a sudden now maybe those expenses are $2,300 and you already invested the $500 and now you don't know where money's coming from, then you're putting money on credit cards or you're going negative in your checking account, Right? It just creates a lot of logistical problems. So when inflation happens, you need to make sure that you're, you're increasing those line items on your budget. Okay, what else do we need to do? Well, you need to have a realization that the money that you have in a savings account, in your checking account, in wherever you're kind of stashing away cash is becoming less valuable, really, right? Um, you used to be able to buy a loaf of bread, and these are just not exact numbers, I haven't looked this up, but maybe you used to be able to buy bread for $3, now it's costing four fifty. right? So that $3 that you had a couple years ago, you used to be able to buy you a whole loaf of bread and now it only buys you half a loaf of bread or whatever, right? So the money that you're having, that you have is becoming less potent. So you need to make sure that you're not just keeping that money in a place that it's not growing, Right? Uh, because if, if it's not just being stagnant, that money that there isn't just stagnant, it's actually becoming less valuable. So you have $10,000 maybe in an emergency fund. Well, in five years, that $10,000 isn't going to cover what it did previously or what it, what it would cover right now or what it did a couple years ago. It doesn't stretch as far. Right? And so I always think about, okay, how can I try to keep up with inflation? How can I outpace inflation so my money's growing 
more than the inflation rate. And that's been difficult, especially when you're seeing inflation rates at 9%, right? So I'm making sure that my, my emergency fund, rather than being in just my savings account at my credit union or my bank, it's in a high-yield savings account, right? And high-yield savings accounts right now are paying out an interest rate of about 4%, depending, give or take a little bit. Is that keeping up with inflation? No, it's not, but at least it's, it's keeping up better. <laughs> it's not matching the inflation rate that we're at right now, but it's keeping up better than your typical savings account at your, like I said, credit union or, or bank that might be getting you 0.02% or 0.2% or whatever, right? If you're able to get a point or excuse me, a 4% rate paid back to you, that's, that's, at least growing that pot of money a little better. So one thing that I would, I would definitely look into is that if you have an emergency fund, you need to put it in a place like a high-yield savings account that it's going to grow at least somewhat. And high-yield savings accounts are great. It's not an investment, right? There's no risk to it. It's FDIC insured, right? So it's just a place to keep money. The second thing is, is you need to at least become familiar with investing in some form or fashion if you're looking to grow or build wealth over time. Because even if you, if you think you're in your head right now like, hey, my plan is just to put a bunch of money, I'm going to put $500,000 in, in an emergency fund or in a high-yield savings account, excuse me, and get that 4% rate, it's like, okay, cool, but your money is still decreasing in value in comparison to the, the uh, inflation rate. All right, so we need to be looking for relatively safe, relatively diverse investments that will outpace that, right? And I've talked a lot about index funds, a lot about ETFs on this podcast. Um, I don't give investment advice, so I'm just strictly talking about the plan that I've put in place. I look for highly diversified index funds, ETFs. Most of them follow something like the S&P 500 index, which has a historical return of 9 to 10% since inception, 80 plus years of data there, right? And that, that 8 to 10% is outpacing inflation. So that's a great place that I like to put my, my investment dollars. And one thing to note too is that we're seeing very high levels of infl or high inflationary rates. That's not been the case, right? W the Fed has increased interest rates, which is hopefully going to decrease inflation. And we're already seeing that inflation rate start to decrease over time. So will the inflation rate always be 5%? Probably not. I can't tell the future, right? But probably not if we look at history. Usually that inflation rate is between 2 and 3%, kind of where the Fed likes to keep it, right? But again, I'm looking for ways to outpace inflation with my saving and my investing. And then lastly, the last thing I want to talk about here, you need to increase your emergency fund, right? So we've increased our monthly expenses so that we can budget appropriately. But now all of a sudden, our three to six month emergency fund that we have sitting there, you know, it doesn't need to be maybe $10,000. Maybe now it needs to be 12 or now it needs to be 13 because everything is more expensive. Okay, so those are the three things I would highly recommend. Um, let's kind of transition over to more of the meat of what the, this episode is going to be about. And it's going to dovetail right or it's going to go along, coincide well with the article that I just published on millennialecon.com about starting and growing a career in sales. All right, so I've been in sales since I was 19 years old. I did a lot of, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but I did several different jobs before that in high school and, and just coming out of high school. I worked in a pharmacy for four years. My first job ever was a uh, sacker at a grocery store. I, I took a, um, about, I don't know, a month or two off, and then I waited tables for a little bit. 
and I, I was kind of directionless for lack of a better term. I didn't know what I wanted to do, to do with my, my life. Um, I wanted to do music for a little while and I gigged around town a little bit and I realized that wasn't for me. I wanted to join the military and I was a, a couple of days away from swearing in at MEPS and I kind of backed out of that and I was just directionless. I, I got accepted to do an art school in New York City and I, I backed out of that when I saw how expensive it was going to be to attend. And so I was just trying to figure out what I wanted to do and I ended up getting a roommate um, or having a roommate with someone I went to church with at the time. And he worked for a company that I didn't know anything about. It was a freight brokerage. And he said, hey, they're hiring customer service reps. Do you want to apply? And I said, absolutely, I want to apply because that's more money than <laughs> I'm making now as uh, waiting tables, right? And so I applied, I got the job, and I was in that customer support role for about, I think it was six months. And the way that it worked there at the company was that you typically had to wait, I believe it was a year or two before you could apply for a different position inside of the company. But they were looking to grow the sales team, and they kind of opened, opened that up. They broke that rule if you're looking to move to sales. So I applied for sales. Um, I was 19 years old. I don't know how I got that job, but I did. And uh, my sales career officially started. And I've done many different things in sales. I've sold uh, space on trucks. That was at the freight brokerage. I have sold marketing, um, digital and print marketing. I've leased apartments, so I've sold apartments. I have, what else have I done? Um, I, I've worked at a small startup, a luxury watch startup, selling watches, um, and I've sold uh, credit card processing as well um, to businesses. And accumulative over, accumulative over that time, I was kind of button seat, cold call dialing, you know, direct se selling. Um, I spent some time in management most recently um, and at a manager level and a director level. So um, I've done a lot in sales. I've trained a lot of people. Um, I've, I've interviewed a lot of folks. I've hired a lot of folks. I've fired some folks. Uh, so I have a really well-rounded view of what it takes to be successful uh, when you're looking to grow a career in sales. And I also have a good view of what it takes to get into sales, so how to interview, or what types of jobs to look for, what type of companies to watch out for, right? And so this article... Um, on millennialecon.com. And if you're wanting to read the article, you can um, go to millennialecon.com. In the top navigation, there is a tab for career. And if you just click that tab, one of those articles that'll pop up is this, um, is this article that I'm referencing here. And so when we think about the benefits of sales, and I'm not going to get too far into it because I would love for you all to read the article, but when we talk about the benefits of sales, um, there's a lot of them, right? Sa I'll preface it this way, though. Sales can definitely be a grind, and sales is not for everyone. But I think that sales, um, a career in sales can teach you very valuable things that will benefit you your whole life, right? Sales is a psychology of uh, the science of interacting with other people, right? I don't want to go so far as to say sales is manipulation. It can be. Um, but sales is trying to solve a problem for someone, and sometimes it's not just having to solve the problem, it's having to try to find a problem and then fix it, right? So if you're able to communicate in an engaging way, make someone realize they have an issue, which oftentimes it is a true issue, and then solve that problem, if you're able to do that well, you will be successful in sales, right? So if we kind of go, go back to my work history, I started off selling uh, a space on a truck for people that are needing to ship things, right? So I'm, I'm calling them. I wasn't necessarily having to try to get them to see their problem. Their problem was I need something moved from here to there. It's usually big and I don't want to pay a lot for it, but I want to make sure it gets there on time, right? So there's their, there's their problem and I was coming in to solve that. 
when I sold marketing, the problem was, hey, I want more business. I want more clients for my business. And a lot of times I would have to help them see that they have an issue because they're not getting customers. And then I need to consult with them and teach them how, we, how I could help them get more. Or if we talk about leasing apartments, you know, someone that's pretty cut and dry. Hey, I don't have a place to stay. I need a new place to stay, right? So I would solve that problem for them. You know, with credit card processing, it's, hey, I need a way to effectively, efficiently, um, cost-effectively take payment from my customers in a various amalgam of amount of ways. Probably didn't use that word right. But, uh, and then I, and I have to help them solve that problem, right? Um, so if you're, if you're good at that, you're, you're going to, number one, be, learn to be a really great communicator, when you're talking to people all day long and you're failing, you're realizing, hey, when I say this, it gets this reaction. I don't want that reaction, so I'm going to say this. But when I talk this way, it gets a great reaction, right? And you're going to learn how to communicate very well with people because you're going to be forced to. Your sales training, hopefully you get some, is going to teach you how to communicate. And then you're going to go out and practice it over and over and over again. And the great thing about communication is that you use communication everywhere in your life whether you're at the grocery store, whether you're talking to friends, whether you're talking to a significant other, whether you're talking on a podcast, right? You are learning to communicate. So a career in sales, one benefit is it will teach you communication. The other benefit is the salaries. The salaries, the amount of money that you can make in sales, maybe not at the beginning, maybe at the beginning, but it can be significant. I mean, I've worked at every place that I've worked, there's somebody making over two hundred and fifty to $300,000 at that organization, Selling, something that's very normal, right? Um, selling also, a career in sales can also provide um, great work-life balance. And I know that kind of when you think of sales, you think of long, arduous 60 to 80-hour weeks where it's just grinding. And those, those jobs do exist. But in most cases, when you're a rock star salesperson and you're making a particular company a lot of money, they free you up to work more autonomously because you're a high producer for them. They want you to be happy. They don't want you to leave right? So a career in sales can provide that. And just a couple points too, before we kind of get into the next segment, a couple points too, how do I, how do you get a job in sales? Well, you need to look for entry-level sales roles. A lot of those roles are not glamorous. It's going to be a lot of cold calling. It's going to be a lot of grinding, but again, it's, it's giving you, number one, it's building a resume, but it's also giving you the tools. You're learning the tools on how to communicate, Right? Maybe in a lower stakes environment, rather um, as opposed to like an enterprise level sales environment where you're selling deals of multi-millions of dollars. Right? So you need to look for an entry level role. You need to, on your resume, communicate how you're good at communicating and the value that you've provided companies in the past. Right? So if you've had a job, even if that's as a sacker, right, you're sacking groceries at a grocery store, well, let's think about how that has increased revenue for the grocery store, how has how that sacker role prepared you for sales, right? Well, maybe you created a great experience for the people going through the checkout line, and that adds to customer retention. They want to come back because they had a great experience. Or maybe you were sacking groceries quickly and efficiently, and it helped more people get through the checkout line faster and increased revenue for the store, right? Something like that. You need to be able to communicate that on a resume at every stop. And you need to give, if possible, hard numbers. So if you had a career in sales, don't just say, hey, I sold uh, roofing 
door to door. You need to say, I sold roofing. I knocked on this many doors every month. I generated this amount of revenue. I was the top 10% in my company. Like give hard data for the person interviewing you to look at. Okay. So I'm a big fan of career and sales. Even, even if it's not something that turns into a career, a lifetime career for you, working in a sales capacity will teach you a lot of things that will be valuable to you for a long time. So, all right, we are going to take a quick break and hear from one of our sponsors. Hello, of course, I have to talk to you about Acorns because I love them. They're amazing. I have used Acorns for over seven years and it's proven to be an important tool I use to invest. Acorns offers things like recurring investments, pre-built portfolios, roundups, Roth IRAs, checking accounts with perks, custodial accounts for your children. The list goes on and on. Acorns offers a lot, and most importantly, it is easy to use, and that is why I have stuck with them for so many years. Whether you are a beginner or a seasoned investor, Acorns has investment options for you. If Acorns seems like it would be a good fit, like it has been for me, click the link in the show notes and you will receive $5, no strings attached, when you make your first deposit. Back to the show. All right, we are going to roll into our last segment of the day. It's time for the weekly tip. 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 Okay, so I was thinking about what this week's weekly tip would be. And it kind of, I had a coaching session with a friend recently, and uh, they were kind of giving me some information about, you know, just where they're at with their their personal finances. And this individual, you know, hadn't given a lot of thought um, into how things were going. Just, you know, this person was really good at making sure things worked, but there wasn't much thought past that, right? And so it just got me thinking, man, you know, there are a lot of principles out here, um, but there, there is an order of operations to creating a good financial plan, right? And so I just wanted to outline that um, in this segment, I'm going to do it quickly. I'm not going to go into depth on every piece, but there are a couple components that you should be paying attention to that you should be incorporating um, into your financial plan. And it's important the order at which you do so. So let's just dig into that a little bit. So the first thing that you need to do is you need to establish goals. I think I talked about this last week or the week before. Every good financial plan, every good financial strategy starts with goals and what is important to you. What moves the needle? right? For you, and if you have a significant other, what moves the needle for the significant other, right? And that goal is purely up to you, whether it's to retire um, and be able to travel, or it's to pay off your house, or it's to be financially independent, or maybe it's to start a business, or maybe it's to have uh, uh, funds for your kid's college, or maybe it's to buy a house, or maybe it's to get out of debt, right? Uh, Maybe it's to take a vacation once a year and be able to do so. Maybe it's to grow a career. Whatever it is, and maybe it's many of those things, you have to have goals because the goals give you the trajectory on where you need to go, where you're going to go. You You don't know how to get where you're going if you don't know the end, right? Um, So goals is number one. Number two is creating a budget. So you need to know what's coming into the household money-wise. You need to to know what's going out. You need to know what your monthly margin is. And you need to be able to manipulate those numbers if you need, right? If you're spending too much, you need to cut back. If you're not spending enough, you need to incorporate. Again, not going to go too much into detail here. There's plenty of podcasts, previous episodes here where you can learn about budgeting. You can learn about monthly margin. Um, But again, you need to create a budget. 
Number two, number three is you need to have a game plan with what to do with your monthly margin, right? So you're left over cash. And this is where your goals come in play. So that extra margin you have is going to be the goal building tool that you have. A lot of people choose to invest, right? And maybe even before the investment piece, you need to have an emergency fund. You need to have some sort of fallback. A lot of people choose to have it be three to six months of their expenses, which you established when you built that goal, but it could be more than that. A lot of people are risk reverse. I should say some people are very risk reverse. They want 12 months. They want a full year of living expenses in case something happened. You lose a job, you get injured, right? The things that we don't expect, you need to have an emergency fund, okay? After that, you need to learn about investing. You need to learn all the things, right? It doesn't have to be complicated, but you need to know what a stock is. You need to know what an index fund, an ETF is. You need to know what a brokerage is. You need to know what dividends are, right? You need to learn about compound interest and how the wealthy build wealth. Because I'm guessing that most of your goals are going to entail building wealth in some form or fashion, whether it's for college, like I said, or it's for uh, purchasing a home or it's retirement or whatever it is. It's a certain type of job that you want, but you need a certain amount of, of money to be able to leave your current job to go to the next one. Whatever it is, you need to learn about investing. Okay. And then the last order of operation is that you need to iterate. You need to iterate. So you, you execute this plan, this order of operations, and then it's like, ah, oh, this isn't working or this isn't what I want. Then you change a little bit of it and then you put that plan in place. You need to keep looking at it, keep molding it, keep shaping it. And that's going to happen the rest of your life. And one thing that I'll say too, maybe wedged in there is um, you need to consider, you need to learn about what a 401k is. Most employers nowadays have a 401k to contribute to, and you need to be investing in that 401k, particularly if your employer offers some sort of match. And I would probably wedge this 401k investing uh, right after the, the emergency fund, right? So you set your goals, you create your budget, you're, you built your three to six months, and then you start investing in your 401k. And at minimum... You want to invest as much money as you can to get the full match from your employer because the, the match is free money, right? A lot of employers will say, hey, if you invest 6% of your income, we'll match 3% of that. Well, that 3% is a lot of money. It's a 50% return on your money every year, which any investor would take. <laughs> You're not typically getting that in the stock market, right? If, if you went to anybody and said, hey, I guarantee you a 50% return on your money, they would take it every time. So you need to become familiar with that. I, and I'm struggling here a little bit. I, I would probably recommend 401ks to start investing after the emergency fund. Maybe you invest while you're building your emergency fund, right? If you have a match because you want to take advantage of that free money. And that will be up to you. If you want to learn more about that, again, listen to some of the podcast episodes, read some of the articles on millennialecon.com. There are plenty of resources to, to help teach you about that or use some other resources, listen to other podcasts, watch some YouTube videos, right? Um, but you need to have the order of operations top of mind. You know, you shouldn't start investing if you're riddled with debt. You shouldn't start, I don't know, uh, you shouldn't start investing if you don't have an emergency fund, right? You should... You should get out of debt before you... You don't want to get the card ahead of the horse, is what I'm trying to say. 
So I hope this episode was valuable to you. We're going to kind of wrap up. We're getting close to 30 minutes here. Um, I would love it if you left a review for the podcast, if you subscribe to the podcast or followed it, if you're on, on Spotify. Um, that really helps the message get out <laughs> about this podcast. It, it gets it in front of new eyeballs. Um, and again, I'm going to do my best to get a poll going to kind of hear from you all on what content, what you'd like to see from the podcast and Millennial Economics. Other than that, I hope you're doing well, and we will talk very soon.